Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 3, Episode 10. As I've already established, leadership is hard, and if you're doing it well, you will almost certainly annoy someone. At some point, you can grow beyond seeing leadership as a popularity contest and see it for what it is. My snarky side wants to define it as an unpopularity contest, but that's not really true either. Leadership is about making things happen, getting things to move, intentionally. Now, a utilitarian would tell you that leadership is about doing the most good for the most people. I'm not a utilitarian. Leadership needs to be about doing the right thing, even when there's a cost. And that's why I talk so much about values and knowing what's important. Bottom line, leadership is about relationships, influence, and helping people to thrive in their work. That thriving has a lot to do with meaningful work, work that matters, work that improves the lives or circumstances of others. Now, most leaders are taught how to exercise these skills in a face-to-face setting. The problem, of course, is that not all leadership is face-to-face, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Years ago, I was leading a development project across three continents. We had a team in Ireland, a team in Minnesota in the United States, and a team in Singapore. Now, my dad, being a woodworker, had made me a clock with three dials, and that lived on my desk. I'd done enough work across time zones that this proved to be a helpful tool for me. And usually they were set for one in Europe, France, England, or Ireland, one in the middle for local time, and the one on the left for someplace on the Asia-Pacific Rim, whether that was Sydney, Australia, Tokyo, Malaysia, or Singapore. We did a lot of virtual meetings, even back 15 years ago, and I managed to annoy my Minnesota team, because I realized that if we got up in the middle of the night, then the team in Singapore could join the meeting early in their workday, and Ireland could join toward the end of theirs. I have to tell you, they hated that. It infuriated my team in Minnesota. They thought that as Americans, we should call the shots. Well, I felt like we needed to encourage the international members of our team and help them feel like they were actually a part of the team. You see, for me, that became the right thing to do. Now, it worked out fine, but in retrospect, I think I could have done it better. Now, in the years since, I've figured out some key skills in leading a virtual or dispersed team. And here's what I know now that I wish I had known then. First of all, stay engaged. Man, I have to confess, this one is not always easy for me. I am an introvert, and I can go for days without seeing anyone or interacting socially. You know, I have to be intentional about engaging with people around me. See, there are several leadership theories that suggest that leadership is always personal, that until you earn the trust of that one first follower... You're not really leading. Don't underestimate the value of the first few people you're leading because they choose to follow you is a big deal. That's at the core of what it means to lead. Even when you lead a large team, your presence is essential. You know, for years, Sears was an icon of American business. I won't mention names, but their president during their turbulent 2017-2018 years was known for his mix of micromanagement and absentee leadership. Forbes pointed out that he mostly called in his leadership, 
and several business sources have pointed out that he was rarely seen on site while the organization was floundering. Presence is essential. It involves two things. First, people know you care, and second, it gives you a direct view of what's going on. Now see, even in a virtual setting, presence is essential. Contrary to the Sears model, your presence should not be about arguing why you're right. It should be about hearing and caring. My rule of thumb is this. Be present and visible when times are good so that you have the credibility and trust when times are difficult. Reach out to people regularly. Yes, it can be an email, but it should include an open door for a conversation and how people can reach you. Now, if that's time-consuming, set aside time for it and let people know the parameters. I've done that kind of thing for years, and while people rarely take advantage of reaching out to me, they express their gratitude for my availability. I've found that virtual presence is far less difficult than it sounds. Mostly, it's about letting people know you care and keeping the lines of communication open. See, this is really a good segue to the next one. Allocate resources. Now, it seems obvious, but it's easy to forget. If people are working remotely, they can't just walk down the hall and find what they need. A big part of leadership is allocating resources. In fact, there's an earlier episode about it in the What Leaders Do series from an earlier season. But as a virtual leader, it's your job to help provide what's necessary, remove roadblocks, help people to remain productive in their work. This can be things like accessing system resources by VPN, connecting people to raw data, connecting people with analytics, and connecting people with other people who know stuff. Have you ever thought about this? Whether you lead a virtual team or a face-to-face -face team, who are the people who are most neglected? Those who are most competent and require less of your time often get overlooked. So you, as a leader, are one of the resources that needs to be allocated. Check on the low-maintenance people from time to time and be sure that no one is being overlooked. All you need to do is offer a simple, How are you? Is there anything you need? What can I do to make your work better? Any concerns burning at the back of your mind? You know, I like that last one because it gives people the space to bring up things that maybe I, as a leader, had never really even thought about. But it also lets them know that they have not been forgotten. The next one is build community. In the past few years, I've come to appreciate the value of building community. It's one thing for people to know you as the leader, but they also need to know each other. Etienne Wenger's work, yeah, and I'm sure I butchered the pronunciation. It's a French name and I don't speak French. Anyway, Wenger's work on communities of practice can be helpful to you here. In a community of practice, the people in the community work together to improve their practice. Frankly, it's not as obvious as it sounds. Wenger wrote two books, one on the theory and one on the practical implications of that theory. And his point was that leaders can't create communities of practice. That has to grow out of the community itself. But leaders can encourage people to learn together and learn from one another. The easiest way to do this is with offhand comments like, that's a great idea. Have you run it by Madison to see if there are things we haven't thought about? Or, I think Mitch was thinking about the same thing. You might want to see what he has found out. No sense duplicating our efforts, but if the two of you need anything, let me know. 
Talk about other team members in positive terms. Refer team colleagues to one another and help them see how their work fits together. It won't take long for them to start to rely on one another. I've come to believe that the occasional all-hands-on-deck virtual meeting can be really helpful and all the better if you can use a video-based tool so that faces can be seen. Don't make this strictly about business. One of the best things you can do is have some informal time where people talk about themselves, their colleagues, and get to know one another. It's a good way to build team trust and help the team to really identify as a team. Another practice that will help you is to invest in growth and development. One of the risks of a virtual team is that leaders can forget that these are real people with a whole life to live out. Without intending to, we can let them stagnate. We shouldn't do that. Invest in their growth. Have conversations with them about their personal goals and how you can help them to thrive. Now, I'm a little biased, but encourage them to take advantage of tuition benefits with your firm. That's an easy investment that always yields benefits. But your investment in your colleagues doesn't have to be financial. You can let them know about webinars that you think might be interesting. If there's a cost involved, see if your company can foot the bill. But have a good newsreader or a reliable source for articles and developmental videos and send out links. If you know your team, you know who is likely to be interested in what. And remember, it's your job to know your team members. Finally, I'm trying to save your bacon or your sanity here. This last one is important. Don't do other people's jobs. See, it's really easy as a leader to bail people out by doing their work for them. That's a bad move. Provide support, provide training, be the mentor, but do not step in. Leaders often do this to make sure that everything gets done. But people need to own their own performance. You may wind up moving people around to roles that are a better fit for their interests, their skill set, or their experiences. That's fine. But don't use that wrong fit as an excuse for doing their work. Define outcomes, help people with the processes when necessary, and help people bear the weight of their own success or failure. Don't be afraid of that. For most people, the career setbacks that we face usually wind up opening doors for better options, better fits, or better opportunities. See, the ongoing development of your team is a big part of your job as a leader. That's true face-to-face, -face, and that's true in the virtual setting. I'll talk more about that in an upcoming episode, but focus on results and less on how people get there. Their preferred workflow may not be your workflow. Learn to adjust to that and live in the ambiguity. It's okay. So that's it for this time around. A few quick tips for leading virtually, leading remotely. Here they are again. Stay engaged, allocate resources, build community and communities of practice, invest in growth and development, and don't do other people's jobs. If you keep those factors in mind, you can lead a team in a virtual setting. It's an important aspect of leadership to learn and to master. And now my COVID-19 benediction. Stay home, wash your hands, and tend to one another. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. 
The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. <laughs>